In this episode of Doctor Who Podshock, we review live over the net the 2010 Doctor Who Christmas special, A Christmas Carol, with live feedback. All that and more in this episode of Doctor Who Podshock. The following is a production of Art Trap Productions, brought to you by the Gallifreyan Embassy and has been made possible by supporting subscribers and donations from listeners like you. This episode brought to you by Podshock Supporting Subscribers. We can't do the show without you. Go to arttrap.com slash Podshock Supporter to become a supporting subscriber. Support the show and get extra content and other bonuses. This episode is also brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download at audiblepodcast.com slash arttrap. Over 75,000 titles to choose from for your iPod or MP3 player. This episode also supported by the Doctor Who Podshock Podcast Companion app for the iPhone, iPad, and iPod Touch, now available in the iTunes App Store. Live from Kazrin's Covered, it's Doctor Who Podshock. Doctor Who Podshock. Okay, well, let's do it now. I you know, whatever it is, if it's valuable, send it to us. <laughs> For the best in all things Doctor Who, it's Doctor Who Podshock, the podcast all about Doctor Who, the longest-running science fiction television program with Louis Trapani. Hello. Ken Deep. Hello. James Norton. Hello. News. Fabulous. Reviews. Oh, no. And fan mail for James. Uh, over 40,000. Doctor Who Podshock from the Gallifrey Embassy. You know, that guy James was really cool. Oh, yeah, we blew that. I'm the Doctor, and who are you? And who are you? The Gallifrey Embassy presents Doctor Who Podshock, episode 232. Hello, everyone. This is Louis Trapani, and we're here live. We're here live reviewing the 2010, the 2010 Doctor Who Christmas special, A Christmas Carol. And live with me is Dave A.C. Cooper, and I'm going to bring him on in a second. We're just we're having some technical difficulties here today. I had some massive um, difficulties before starting the show here, so we're running a little late, and Dave's having some audio problems as well. So I'm going to have him on in just a moment. But I do want to wish everyone a happy Boxing Day. Today's Boxing Day, so I hope everyone boxed up your goodies and brought it to maybe... Um, well, you can, <laughs> you can bring it to the show today because we could use some good fortune here. And I hope everyone's having a good holiday season. We're in the middle of the holidays here. It's uh, December 26th. And um, right here, as far as where I am in the northeast of the U.S., we're dealing with a little blizzard, some snow here. A little windy, but not too bad. And so far, as long as our power stays on, we'll continue with the show. And if you, <laughs> if, if I suddenly do disappear, you may know, that might be an indication of what might happen. And, and the way things have been going, I don't doubt things. Well, let's not jinx anything any further. Without any further ado, let's get Dave on. Hello, Dave. Yes, I think the colour of this podcast is loud and not very reliable. <laughs> well, I didn't realise we were all donning the Six Doctors jacket, otherwise um, we'll all be loud. Well, not just his yep. jacket. But. <laughs> and I do feel for you, it's, it's uh, very difficult when you've got all your friends in the room, you want to get on with the show, we're all excited about talking about uh, this latest episode, and uh, then you get thrown a wobbly Unfortunately, we haven't had a live show since, what, July, so it, there's been lots of changes on my end software-wise here, so things are set up differently here, and uh, I had hoped to um, 
have a smooth process here, but I, I use, um, when I'm on uh, TalkShoe here, I use a client to call in called Gizmo, which no, is, is no longer available. It's now, uh, it's owned by Google, but uh, I guess, you know, they're, they're Googleizing it right now before they reopen it to the public again, so it's no longer available, so I can't even recommend it for others to download, but unfortunately, it's a bit dated. It hasn't been updated since, um, since that time. It's, uh, I would say, a good year or so, and Anyway, long story short is that it it's doesn't seem to be recognizing um, the setup the way it, it should be. And um, I have no, I, Dave and I uh, recorded uh, a Hitchhiker's Guide to British Sci-Fi not too long ago, and we got things working with that, so with Skype. So I think it's a, it's a gizmo issue. So that being said, um, without getting too geeky here on this show, we're here to talk about, that's what, let me get this out of the way. If you have not seen the 2010 Christmas special, the Doctor Who Christmas special, A Christmas Carol, be warned now that anything that follows after this point will be spoilery or would be spoilery. So spoiler warning is sounded. So obviously we're reviewing this episode. So if you haven't seen it yet, it just came out yesterday, both here in the UK and the US, which is a first, you know, where the transmission was done on, uh, you know, not simultaneously, but on the same day. I, hopefully that's it's a sign of good things to come in the future. You can't get better than that, really, you know, other than a simultaneous transmission, on, you know, at the same time. But I, I think that's too much to hope for. And the good thing as well is uh, Medjur Ben Elliott told us all, BBC America was airing the full one hour show with no cuts, I believe. Were they? Well, I, um, I think they had commercial breaks, though, because I believe they had a 90-minute slot for, and it's, uh, and, um, it's an hour. Oh, yes, breaks, but no cuts. Yeah, okay. All right, well, P- Perry in our chat room just said 80 minutes, so it was an 80, well, it still had, had the full episode, though. I think Perry first tweeted me that it was going to be a, you know, in a 90-minute slot or an 80-minute slot, and that's what I had assumed that they'll be showing it complete, just, but with, you know, commercials. So yeah, that's great that they're not cutting it up. That's always a good thing. And it should be available on iTunes today too. As I I checked right before starting the show, and it's still not there yet. So I don't know if it's going to be. It's supposed to be available today, the twenty sixth, and maybe it's going to be available at nine o'clock. So it's exactly twenty four hours after it was first shown on BBC America on the eastern coast, on the east coast. I don't know. You know, as of five o'clock or or quarter to five, whatever it was before I the last time I checked it, it still hasn't appeared on iTunes. So, but it's um, you'll be able to get it in HD, you know, complete, uncut, without commercial interruptions. And I'm assuming it will be maybe you know, um, I don't know what what it might cost. Maybe two ninety nine, or is the HD version might be a little bit more. I'm not sure. And I, I voted for Saxons, but it's listed on as, as 60 Minutes on Xfinity's On Demand. But future viewings on BBC uh, America will be cut. Ah, uh, yeah. Well, the DVD is coming out in February. I believe it's, is, is it the 15th, I believe, it's coming out? So yeah, I yeah. think it, you, yeah. It's the DVD and the Blu-ray. And the soundtrack is coming out very soon as well. Are they doing this, a separate soundtrack just for this, or will this just be included in the next like series soundtrack? Yes, I'm sure when you get Darth Vader, he'll be able to give you more details, but this is one that they're actually putting out as a CD for the single episode. Hmm. 
Yeah, very interesting. It's, it's it, it, perhaps because it's of Catherine Jenkins. Exactly. It's a big part of it, I think. All right, well. Well, speaking of Catherine Jenkins, she's a guest star in this episode, along with uh, Michael Gamboon and uh, Lawrence uh, Bletcher. Gamboon. And Danny Horn. Michael Gambon. Gambon. Yeah, Dumbledore to most people. From the Harry Potter films, right? Yeah. So, yeah, excellent casting. I think they all the guest cast in this episode were right on target. I think um, you really couldn't have asked for, for better, for the most part. And so no problems there. I think it was an outstanding cast. Did the, Were the opening titles different? Was it just my imagination, or did they look a little frosty? Yes, well, there was some debate on our earlier Cultum show about that. I thought they would definitely had a sprinkle of glitter. I thought they had like little snow coverings on the, on the like Matt Smith, you know, on the opening titles. Yeah, and indeed the font looks slightly different. But uh, again, uh, uh, I'll defer to Darth on this one. It's um, just uh, the, I think he believes that Arthur Darvill's name with the letters you the letter R is slightly different than the Doctor Who R which is a slightly different thing. So that the font that is used for some of the names is not the standard font. But I'm sure Darth can explain it better when he comes up. All right, okay. Well, I'm just glad it wasn't just my <laughs> imagination there. So, um, yeah, I think the direction was good. Lighting, well done. Music, well, we had Murray Gold back, and uh, the music was right on cue. I think the whole thing established the whole mood of the episode. I think it all came together technically for a very good episode. And um, story-wise, well, it's called a Christmas Carol, so by it's no you know accident that this is a you know Doctor Who take on the classic Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol, and you know with some twists and turns, and um, it's its own little you know flair on it all. And I, I think they did, for the most part, they did a, a very good job with that. You know, some little nuggets there that... Yeah, it could, be, it could have been ended up being rather a dark episode if they'd sort of followed it more logically, but um, they tried to give it um, a little bit of uh, lightness with yes. it. Of course, it was still dark subjects, the yeah. father beating his boy, his son, but uh, they, they, they slightly cheated, I thought, at the end because, of course, the, the, the young lady, having done that final song, it was her final day of her life, so... It could have easily ended on the sad note of her death, uh, Abigail's death, mm-hmm. which they, they cut away from. Yeah, they did. And I'm also glad that, you know, because once Catherine Jenkins was cast and, and it was cast, she was cast, um, you know, where she wasn't an actress and she's, you know, a singer. And she, and it was established that she was cast because of her singing abilities. And it just, you know, it raised a little red flag that maybe this might, you know, that you just might break out into song. And I was fearful that it would not work out, you know, where it would be, um, you know, more of a, a musical than than her music being, you know, her singing being part of the story. So I'm very glad that it was, in fact, that her singing was very much part of what the story is about. So um, I think that worked out well. And, uh, of course, it goes without saying that she's outstanding with with her singing. Oh, that would have been awful, a musical, you know. Consider yourself Doctor Who. Well, you never know. One of the TARDIS crew. Oh, dear. You never know what might happen. People, you know, they they hear Christmas specials and you get, you know, Star Wars holiday special, you know, you just might just break out and (laughs) sell. 
Let's not go there. But um, all right, well, let's go into the story here. Obviously, as I was saying, it's it's based on a Christmas Carol. So there's, and as we know, the Doctor had already met Charles Dickens, and he's, you know, it, it's it was at that time it was told to the audiences that he was aware of Dickens' work. So, you know, we know that the Doctor knows a Christmas Carol, and um, so I think that worked out very well. There was no references to him meeting Charles Dickens, but it was you know. The audience knows, and him talking to Amy on board the ship, and and the music playing in the background, and and well, this uh, again a little nothing, not not a deal breaker there. But I think if she was on a ship crashing onto the you know onto this planet, I, I don't think she's going to be so concerned about what's playing in the background. <laughs> what's happening in the background? You know, it just I, it's, I, if I was her, I don't think I would be caring what's going on in the background. But whatever. But obviously they had to work that into um, into the story there. So, um, but I think it worked well. Yeah, I mean we didn't want another crash of the Byzantium, but uh, what I did well, like was the. Um, it, didn't the bridge the, look similar? I mean, I think maybe it's just a redress of that bridge. That bridge looks very much like um, what was it? The the time of time of the angels. Is that the name of the episode? Yeah, a little bit. I, I, I thought it looked a little bit like uh, Space 1999 with all the costumes and clothes. And there was, um, you know, but it, it was a good uh, contrast to the more Dickensian view of the uh, and the, the steampunk of the actual uh, planet itself. Yes, yeah. it, it, was, it was there for contrast. Uh, and, of course, we don't know whether this episode or anything in it will relate to future events, any portent. But it seemed to be a very standalone episode be, because the, the Amy and um, uh, they've come on board the TARDIS, but this is really dealing with... The Doctor's obviously treated them to a, a honeymoon on the ship, so it's it can be viewed as a standalone episode, I would have thought. Yes, yes. I mean, some... I, I forgot who... Someone had tweeted me over the past couple of days saying that they had um, anticipated the end of... Um, what was it? Um, the Big Bang, that the, the final episode of, of the last series. It, traditionally, when that episode ends, it's a uh, it, it goes into at the end of the episode, it goes into the precursor or a teaser of what the Christmas special is going to be, and and that had nothing to do with this Christmas special. I said that was another one-off adventure they had at the you know that phone call uh, was um, the Orient Express or something like that, and. Had uh, you know had nothing to do with the Christmas special, so there was obviously some time that had passed between that story and where the Christmas special picks up. Yeah, and and, and one or two people when they speak will say that um, how there was some clues maybe of things to come, but the point is that it can still be viewed as a standalone episode. And, yes. Uh, and in actual fact, it was a rather companion-like episode. I thought. Well, yeah, because I think well both. The Kazan character, you know, his younger selves and, well, I guess his, his current self all, and um, Abigail become the, the companions, really, in this episode, while um, Amy and, um, and Rory are trapped Rory. aboard, you know, a, 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 that, sh that ship that was um, that galaxy-class starship. <laughs> I thought it was a little... It was, uh, the, the Enterprise from Star Trek Next Generation was a galaxy-class starship. Yeah, and they were doing a little role-playing of their own. Mm. That's right. So, um, yeah, I, I think it's a, 
it, it's a fun episode. It, it dealt with some heavy themes, but it still was a a fun Christmas type of ep- episode. I, again, uh, there were just a bunch of little things in that that uh, I'll just get those out of the way now. That uh, again wasn't a deal breaker, but just um, kind of just stuck out a little bit. Like um, like when they were hauling out the doctors, um, hauling out the doctor and that family, uh, Abigail's family from. Um, the sitting room or that that big um, whatever um, living room whatever of Karazans, they had like these henchmen or his um, you know his men escorting them out, including the doctor. And then the next scene is the doctor standing there by himself and like, what happened to the the guy? Drag him out, drag him out. It just I guess he went with he went with the family, whatever, because all of a sudden that guy disappeared. Well, they, they made a few references where the doctor just suddenly popped up out of nowhere. I mean, when they needed the number for the combination, the doctor just quickly popped back and yeah, yeah. He well, the, you can see the TARDIS up the stairs, so yeah. he, he obviously traveled, you know, via TARDIS. There was another scene. Well, the the whole what I didn't understand was the doctor. As far as Abigail is concerned, there's a scene where part of the story where. Uh, they put her back into the the hibernation chamber, the freezing cabinet, whatever you want to call it. And this is before the doctor knows what those numbers on the cabinet means, and he doesn't know that he only she only has eight days to live. And but why was she so willing to put him put her back in there? You know, it just didn't make sense story-wise or character-wise for the doctors just to, okay, well, you know, let's go back into the freezer <laughs> and just willy-nilly just put her back in there. And that's when young Kazan said that uh, we'll, we'll, we'll see you again Christmas Eve next year. And it's just, no, 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 you know, that that's when uh, that's the scene I'm talking about, that first initial scene where they kind of just throw her back into the freezer for no reason. You know, it's later in that episode that, that both Kazan and and then later on do- the doctor finds out what's going on, but um, for all intents and purposes, you you would think the doctor would let her you know stay loose. Why put her back? Well, yeah, when he, when he found all those uh, uh, bodies that were kept in it was in New 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 Earth uh, that the uh, they were using for diseases and they were all trapped behind the the, the doctor wants. Well, yeah, I, I figured. Well, maybe what the doctor's thinking is that once he gets the ship saved, maybe he'll then he'll work on getting everyone out of those freezers. But uh, once he changes Karzan's attitude around and, and you know changes you know from the dark side to the good side, let's just use that analogy. You know, then he would um, maybe release all the frozen people. But it just um, but Abigail was already out, so why put her back in? Yes, indeed, because she didn't give that reveal. Uh, the couple of errors, uh, things that I particularly like. I didn't like the shark business when they were pulling it, the uh, the silly moment in uh, the ride. But uh, when, when that first shark appears, it appears to be about ten foot long. It was enormous. Yeah, the size varied. I, I noticed that too. There's certain scenes that it looked gigantic, and other scenes it, it sort of like looked like a, a large dog. Or a dolphin size. A dolphin yeah. size, yeah. Um, uh, and those cabinets didn't seem to be cold to the touch, although they were designed to mm-hmm. look at. Uh, but overall, I thought it was an excellent production, and uh, the stand is brilliant. But my enjoyment of it wasn't as high as that. I could appre- appreciate it. I could appreciate what they'd done and how they'd done it. 
but um, I wasn't that so engrossed in the story until it got to the section where the video was playing and the doctor suddenly appears against the young boy. And although there were at least two or three times where he appeared to be talking to the boy, but of course his remarks were addressed to the older version. And then there was a, a switcheroo on that. Later, he was going to say to the old one, I'm going to show you your future. And the old man says, well, show me it then. And he says, I already am, because the young boy was standing behind. Yeah, yeah, actually, I thought, I thought they did that very well. That was a, yeah. I thought that was a clever, that because if you're familiar with the Christmas Carol, you always know those three segments, you know, the Christmas past, Christmas present, and Christmas future. And we all know that Christmas future, you have the skeleton, you know, um, what's this, um... You see what you become. Mr. Death, Doctor, um, um, I, I, there's a name for him. I can't think of him. But anyway, that you just sort of was expecting to see, you know, okay, now we're going to see his future. And he says it himself, okay, show me my future. And he is our Murray M. And I thought that was very clever by doing it, making it the child. Lovely. Yeah. Well, uh, j just a couple other nitpicks just to get them out of the way. And then we can go forward is um, the doctor going back to the, the freezers he didn't notice the numbers for him it's it's a year for abigail well she's not experiencing the year because she's going into hibernation i'm assuming but um for karzan it's a year each year passes um so but he already well he'll find out later about the numbers but the doctor would you know he's very observant the doctor's supposed to be you know observing everything at all times and he's not realizing that of course because for him it's just another minute he's just going in the tardis and skipping a year ahead and coming back uh, but he's not noticing the year, the numbers on the front of the chambers counting down which um is out of yeah and that's that's quite surprising when there's the earlier reference where he notices the chairs. Well, that's the other you thing, know. yeah. He notices the chair, the painting on the wall, and he puts all the stuff together. And that's another thing. This is the first time watching Doctor, you know, a new episode of Doctor Who after seeing the Sherlock series. And now, you know, Sherlock was... Um, created by um, um, Stephen Steve Moffat and Mark Gaddis, and now you can see the, you can see that directly in this episode right now. The, the, you know that that's that could have been a scene right out of Sherlock. You know where he's explaining how he summarizes Kazan's character and puts it all together. I thought that. I mean, there, is, there are other references that that people may draw on that, that, that where the Doctor's done similar things, but uh, yes, uh, that that. Yeah, he's done that in the past. Well, he's always been a, a bit of a Sherlock, you know, even going back to, well, you, you know, if you, you know, past doctors, you can reference stuff like that as well. But I, I think this was especially just the way he did it, the way he explained it and the way it was shot was very much out of the Sherlock series, I thought. Um, and uh, uh, some people on, on our show alluded to the fact it was a little bit similar to the 11th hour scene, you know, mm -hmm. when they're on the common. Yes. Everybody's looking at the spaceship, except the man with the yeah, dog. Yeah, I thought that too. I, I, I saw that parallel as well. Oh, and the shark life. How long does the shark live? And it has part of the sonic screwdriver in it, and it doesn't, you know... It doesn't pass it at some point. I mean, that, that we go through his whole lifetime as a child, and um, it's as to an adult, and the shark is still around and still has that half of the sonic screwdriver, you know, still somewhere in its digestive system. 
Whatever. Well, obviously, Lewis, you've, ne- you've never seen Jaws, have you? Oh, I have. An awful scene in, an awful scene in Jaws where they cut the belly of the yeah, shark. Yeah, but, you know... I, basically, old bicycles fall out and everything. Yeah, there's license plates and whatever, but I, I don't expect that was in the stay stomach in of it. the... The metal stays in it. Does it? Well, I haven't seen it recently. Well, I'm glad it wasn't too Jaws-like. I thought going into the story, we knew that there was going to be... Well, some people knew it. it was sort of a, you know, spoily type of thing, but... Uh, there's, there was enough hints and stuff that came out before the episode. If you paid attention, you knew that there was going to be a shark in it, and it was going to be a, a Christmas Carol meets Jaws. And, uh, but I'm just glad it wasn't sort of like just the shark terrorizing them every minute. It wasn't. It was done differently, which I, you know, I liked. It wasn't what I was expecting. So, one of the other things was it was an off-world. It was an off-world adventure, but all their Christmas Eve adventures that they went on all seemed to be Earth-based. So even though this took place on another planet, it seemed like if you look at the photographs that Karazhan's looking at, you know, his new memories that are being formed, and he's looking at all these photographs of these Christmas Eve adventures, they're all taking place on Earth. There's um, a scene in front of the, the pyramids, the Statue of Liberty, obviously Hollywood in 1952, and that's another thing where um, the Doctor finally seems to uh, have met Frank Sinatra, and that was a something that he that um, Matt Smith had always said he would like to have a story with Frank Sinatra in it and um, so he got his wish there sort of and, and Einstein and Marilyn Monroe what a night yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I thought it was um, it was it's an overall it's a good story it was a good episode it, again I was just nitpicking before and I was just trying to get those out of the way but um, if we can turn a blind eye to that, I guess we can just enjoy it for what it is. It's supposed to be a, a, um, a Christmas fair, and and I guess it, it, it pulls that off. I thought there's some nice foreshadowing there. In the beginning, Karzarn feels his um, cheek, and he was remembering back to his childhood being um, tormented by his father. And uh, and then again, we see that again with young Karzarn. I, I just thought they, they handled that very well. Uh, the fish effects... I thought it would done excellent. You know, I, I'm talking about the besides the shark, the the smaller fish. I, I think it was were done wonderfully. Uh, what about the timing? I thought it was at, at 60 minutes. It was a good time. Yeah, it, yeah. I think it, it didn't. The the pacing was good. It flowed very well. I didn't think it dragged at any moment. I, I think it kept up the pacing. And um, and like I said, I, I thought the it was clever because it got to the point where. If anyone that's seen the Christmas Carol and all the different versions of it, you just start to know. Okay, well now we're going to see the Christmas future, and I just like the way they changed that. They, they had uh, in in a way we, I just thought that was done very well. It's it's a time story once again, very much like Blink. You know, Stephen Moffat's. Uh, again, it's, since Doctor Who's a show about time travel, there's not many episodes themselves that deal with time travels within. You know, traveling within time in the episode itself. So this is similar where there's a lot of time traveling going on within the episode itself. So that's always a, um, a, a nice topic to visit or a nice theme to visit there. And, uh, and they, yet there were still the quiet moments, you know, when, when the girl was singing and, uh, you know, like the fish were biting the back of the doctor. You think, what's, what's that about? And the young boy says, the, the, the fish want to <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that was a nice moment there, a nice play. You know, and that's the other thing is that, you know, this doctor is very childlike and, and he got along very well with young Karzan. The dialogue about, okay, we're, 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 we are boys and what are we doing when we're faced with danger and all that. You know, it was very much, you know, the doctor is very much a, a young child 
he always had this like childlike curiosity and i think that's oh even like he was distracted by the christmas tree like they're running you know through the room like oh a christmas tree and he runs up to it and he's like so excited about it and i think that you know matt smith does a wonderful job with that it's sort of you know again it's sort of like a almost like a throwback to the to the second doctor where sometimes the second doctor would put up those ruse of being you know just being a little you know character onto himself and not really revealing his intelligence and just like when he um he saws he sees the the weather machine um that whatever that device is called and he goes oh it's a, a big thing with lights and buttons and that was just drawing me to it and all that and again it, it's very much that childlike curiosity of him and and i think matt smith does a wonderful job with it all right well let's um get other people on board here and uh, before that, let's just play another clip, and then we're going to get on with um, getting some live feedback here. Once again, Dr. Upachak supporting subscribers will get um, bumped up on the queue there. With Gallifrey 22 less than two months away, we want to bring our live show there once again and do all the extensive coverage that we do at the annual show, as we've been doing. But we need your help to do that. You can help by becoming a Pachak supporting subscriber. Please, if you haven't already become a show supporter, please consider becoming one. Now more than ever, we need your support. Not only will you be supporting the show and helping us return to Gallifrey to cover the convention there, but you'll also be getting extra content as well, such as the Doctor Who Pachak Extra episodes and other advantages that we offer supporting subscribers. Now, to learn how to become a Pachak supporting subscriber, simply go to pachak.net or arttrap.com and click on the banner towards the top of the page in regards to becoming a supporter. A big thank you for all our supporters, especially during this holiday season where we do want to give thanks to everyone that helped support the show. We really can't do the show without you, so thank you so much. Why are you recording this? Did you pay attention at school, Catherine? Sorry, what? Because you're not paying attention now. Now I remember. Now, Doctor, you must... Doctor, are you sure? Trust me. Okay. Right. Eyes on the top. Look at me. I wear it and I don't care. Trust me. Yeah. Yes. That's why it's cool. Hello, fishy. Let's see. Interesting. Crystalline fog, eh? Maybe carrying a tiny electrical charge. Is that how you fly, little fishy? What is it? What kind? Can I see? Just stay there a moment. Is it big? Nah. Just a little one. So, little fella, what do you eat? How little? Um, Can't come out. No, no. Maybe just wait there for a moment. Big, big color. What's happening? Well, concentrating on the pluses, you've definitely got a story of your own. Also, I got a good look at the fish, and I think I understand how the fog works, which is going to help me land a spaceship in the future and save a lot of lives. And I better get some very interesting readings off my sonic screwdriver when I get it back from the shark in your bedroom. There's a shark in my bedroom. Oh, fine. Focus on that. All right. Well, first up, I believe will be Perry. Perry, are you there? I think so. Hey, how you how you doing? Happy uh, holidays. Hi, Louis. How are you? Very good. Well, good to be on here. Um, 
think this is the first time on one of the live chats where I've, I've done this. So, Well, welcome uh, aboard. We're, we're very happy to have you on board live with us. Oh, wait a minute. This is Memorex. I pre-recorded this at 3 o'clock. <laughs> That's right. Okay. <laughs> so don't go off your script. Otherwise, I won't be able to respond. <laughs> okay. Yeah, it was big, wasn't it? See, see, that's what happened. Okay, now I'm confusing you. I'll just shut up and, and let me and, and let me uh, ask you what you thought about a Christmas Carol. Well, um, I enjoyed it very much uh, at the time watching it. I guess um, I agree with everything you guys have been saying about it, and I guess I didn't think of some of those things that you mentioned, such as you know why would the doctor just put her back into the into the freezer every year. Why wouldn't he try to keep her out and, um, and to help her? Yeah, it just didn't make sense to me. It just seemed out of character for him. And uh, even watching it the second time, it just seemed a little, you know, I, I don't know. I thought maybe did even, the first time you missed something and maybe you, you, when you go back and watch it the second time, you're like, oh, I'll, I'll catch why he's doing that now. But even the second time, I didn't understand why he was doing it. Yeah, he did even uh, mention the numbers you know, he pointed them out. Yeah, and then he got distracted, Number. and then he never went back to it. And it just—you uh, you would think that by the time he—I don't understand why he would just stick him, stick her back in the freezer. Yeah, I don't understand why he didn't make more of an effort to release, all, you know, all the, of those uh, frozen people. The uh, so-called circle yeah, population well, that they called them, right? Like, like I said, with, I, I thought maybe once he turns Kazan, Kaz I always have problems saying his name, Kazan around, maybe he would think that he would just free them all when he's he has a change of heart. Maybe that was his thinking. But her, she was already out. Why put her yeah. back in? <laughs> you know, without yeah. her, without knowing that she only has eight days to live, or, or after the first day, seven days, he doesn't know that. So why stick her back in? Yeah, I didn't understand that at all. And I I did really enjoy the episode. I think maybe they're having a little bit too much fun with the um the doctor going back into, you know, the timeline of people he's interacting with, which is kind of contradictory to what, you know, Russell T Davies would do. Um even in the Stephen Moffat story, The Girl in the Fireplace, I just watched it yesterday. Mm -hmm where he says, you know, Rose says, let's use the TARDIS to go back to France. And he says, no, we can't do that. We're already part of events. But in this one, he doesn't, he doesn't do that. You know, he doesn't have any qualms about going back into Kazran's uh, timeline and, and changing him and therefore changing his own, you know, events. So that, that part of it, I think, maybe was a little bit inconsistent. It may just be, you know, Stephen Moffat's, you know, take on, on the Doctor and time travel. But like I said, it was really fun, and I and I really enjoyed the whole thing. I thought, like you said, the guest stars were excellent. Yeah, I think uh, uh, Stephen Moffat had made a mention that on Doctor Who Con uh, Confidential, that you know, pointing out that the Doctor's always breaking his own rules when it comes to getting involved and um, interfering with established time lines. Yeah. Uh, he's constantly breaking that himself, so he just figured that he'll, you know, kind of go off and do that all on this episode. The other thing that I didn't notice so much, but then I saw it pointed out on the internet afterwards, was that um, the song that Abigail sings at the end to calm, you know, the skies down for the ship to land, mm -hmm. it, she sings about silence. That's what the song is about. Yeah, I was so trying to discern what she, what the song was about, especially, you know, the second time hearing it, and, and I picked up that it was about silence, and, you know, and I was thinking, like, Silent Night and all that, but... Uh, 
Well, I think um, what I saw somebody else had written was the um, silence is all around you, silence is all you know, or all you'll, you will know. Uh, I didn't quite make it out either, but... Or maybe they try and connect into the whole, you know, well, next year's theme and, and this past series, you know, silence, is, silence will fall. Yeah. Because it weren't the choir, was, wasn't the, um, the, the Christmas carol that was being sung outside, the, you know, via the hologram, wasn't that Silent Night? It was Silent Night, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so there were a lot of interesting references, and in, even references to the original uh, Christmas Carol in there. Like I said, you know, about mentioning the surplus population and things like that, you know, things that Scrooge would have said. And well, I'm glad he didn't say Bah Humbug. Bah Humbug, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's true, that's true. There was no Tiny Tim, really, but uh, in here as well. But all, overall, I thought it was a, a really fun episode, and... I liked it better than, you know, some of the past Christmas specials, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. But there was a lot in it, and it may have been a little confusing, but it was definitely fun, and I definitely was surprised at the scene you had already, you and Dave have already mentioned about showing him his future, showing Kazran his future, and saying, I already am. And yeah, I, again, I, I thought there. they did that very well. Yeah. Yeah, me as well. I didn't have a whole lot to say um, besides that. I just wanted to. Did were there any anything that you had problems with, other than you know other than what we already mentioned? No, I, I thought maybe the fish were a little hard to believe at first, and and there were some silly parts in it. But like you said, it it was meant to be a holiday romp, and and and, um, and riding the shark, so to speak, you know, was uh, was definitely kind of silly. Yeah. So, yeah. Well. Fun. And, and and the doctor not really trying to save Abigail's life in some way, I think, was was a little bit out of character. Yeah, well, unless it was done off, you know, off camera, off scene, you know, uh, you know, a scene that we didn't see on on screen. He yeah. didn't really investigate what was wrong with her. Maybe it was something that he could fix, you know. Yeah, right, for sure. And and uh, and uh, the part about marrying Marilyn Monroe and things like that, I think, um, were a little unnecessary. But like I said, fun. Yeah, I think they were just, yeah. Yeah, they were just having a laugh. Having a laugh. She's going on the uh, Abigail's health. And the one point when she finds out is the doctor says, "Oh, were well, you one of my doctors?" So she's obviously uh, hoping that that might be one of the things that happens. Yeah, I thought that was a big hint, you know, that something was going to happen and the doctor would ask about that. And uh, also it's been in text that um, uh, they may put Abigail... uh, Also, I bet Abigail didn't want her family to suffer for the doctor letting out permanently. And what's the other one? Well, the thing Um, is, though, that's... Guest four. Well, initially he was going back there just to change um, Kazarn's um, heart, whatever. You know, it didn't. I don't think his original intent was to be to go there for every Christmas Eve, and it just, you know, it, uh, young Kazarn, the boy, the boy, yeah, yeah, talked him into it. So, for for all the doctor knows that he was just going to be back there for you know a, a day, you know, whatever. I don't know. I mean, maybe that that is, you know, I, I it's it's one of those things. Yeah, I mean, I, I was say, I think Stephen Moffat ties up a lot more loose ends than many other writers do. Yeah, I mean, it was, it's not a deal breaker. It's not like I can't enjoy the episode because of it. It just kind of just sticks out there a bit. 
It's like, okay, goodbye. Yeah, I'm putting yeah. you back in the freezer. <laughs> it, was, <laughs> it was a wonderful day with you, but, you know, you got to go back in the freezer. Well, yeah, I mean, maybe the doctor knew that something would happen to, to Abigail's family if she wasn't, you know, kept in the freezer. But um, I, I might have thought he would have done a little bit more to find a way to yeah. get the people out. Well, exactly. I, it's just It just seems a little out of character for him. Maybe could have confronted Kazran's father in some way to have uh, to have tried to save those people. It almost seemed like the the antagonist went from being Kazran himself to being Kazran's father, but Kazran's father never really never directly interacted with the doctor or anyone. Yeah, this is true. All right. Well, thank you. All right. Well, thank, thank you, you, Perry. Thank you, Perry. And yeah. Thanks, guys. Uh, look for. I didn't know if. Go ahead. I didn't know if we wanted to talk about the season, the series six trailer. Oh, did you have any uh, comments about that? Show. Yeah, sure. Well, I noticed some really, some interesting, really interesting and familiar-looking scene scenes in the trailer, and the one that I wanted to point out was it looks like the console room from the the TARDIS from the Lodger was in there. Yes, yeah. If you look at like the like if you go to the what is it like go to 31 seconds into the trailer, you can see what looks like that console room from the lodger. So I thought that was interesting. Yeah, there's also an oud in there, and um, which is kind oh, of yeah. surprising because it was said that no, this next series we're not going to have any returning, well, what they called um, monsters, or I don't know if you want to call the oud as one of them. Yeah, I mean, and and it all looks it all looks very exciting, very interesting. Some interesting shots of um, River Song in there, as well as the Doctor with the beard chained up in Area 51, <laughs> things like that. Yeah, yeah, there's um, some scenes there with Amy Pond with markings on her face, and then there's a scene with um, that had um, River, River had markings, marking, and yeah. there's another scene where she's not wearing much at all. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. It's yes, I think uh, Ian, the Sixth Doctor, might like that clip. That, yeah, I thought yeah, that too. I actually posted that earlier on Facebook. <laughs> I said this will be his. This will be his next Avatar. Yeah. Well, Stensons are cool. Stensons are cool. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, that's that's about all I wanted to say. And uh, I want to thank you for having me on. Well, thank you. Yeah. Uh, Merry Christmas. And happy New Year. You too. Thank you. Cheers. Cheers. I, I also wondered whether that was Tardis Tara's Stetson as well. <laughs> she does have one, but that wasn't hers. Well, we have more people waiting in the queue to talk about A Christmas Carol. We're going to get to them in just a moment. Right now, I'm being trampled by a holiday blizzard coming through the area here, and I'm literally getting snowed in where I can't even open the door. One good thing about being snowed in, you can always entertain yourself by listening to podcasts as well as audiobooks and one of the great sources for great audiobooks is Audible. Audible is the leading provider of digital audiobooks. They have over 75,000 titles to choose from in their library, which includes every genre, be it thrillers, business, history, and of course, science fiction and fantasy, and that includes Doctor Who. Audible content is compatible with iPods and iPhones and iPads and, well, just about any MP3 player. With over 500 listening devices for your listening pleasure anytime, anywhere, just like this podcast. 
Now, for you, listeners of Doctor Who Podshock, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 14-day trial to give you a chance to check out their service. To download your free audiobook, simply go to audiblepodcast.com slash arttrap. Again, that's audiblepodcast.com slash arttrap, A-R-T-T-R-A-P, for your free audiobook. And as always, we would like to make a, a possible recommendation for that free book, or you can choose anything that you like, but we like to uh, kind of peruse what's new in Doctor Who. And one of the newest titles available is the continuation of the ongoing series, Doctor Who Demon Quest, and this is Chapter 5, Sepulchre. That's, don't ask me to say that ten times fast. <laughs> It's a story written by Paul Mars with Tom Baker and Susan Jameson and Richard Franklin as Mike Yates. This is chapter five, and I believe and I believe this concludes this story, if I'm not mistaken. So that was how the last part of our quest began, in the innocuous environs of Nest Cottage. How long our journey took, I don't even know. The passage of time isn't always distinct aboard the TARDIS. We were traveling clear across the universe into another time completely, guided by the two halves of a mysterious golden heart. went striding about as if he hadn't a care in the world. I followed a little more hesitantly, stepping from the TARDIS into our new environment. We were in a large drawing room, of the kind that might have belonged to an old and faded English stately home. It was rather dowdy and poorly lit, but there was no mistaking its faded grandeur. All the same, after journeying so far, we'd both expected something less prosaic. According to the TARDIS, this is Sepulchre. Silly name. It gives me the shivers. I think that's the idea. The whole thing reeks of melodrama. Probably some home county's pile, I'd say. We're not in England anymore, Captain. Take a close look at those paintings on the wall. They're not surrealist pieces, Mike. They depict life in another dimension. This room may pay lip service to human culture, but the devil is in the detail. Yet someone clearly wants to make us feel at home. Ah, good evening. What? We've got company. Good heavens, Mrs. Wibsey. Pushing a hostess trolley. <laughs> oh, we're tremendously glad to see you, my dear. Mike and I were determined to find you. Hmm, yes. You took your time, though, didn't you? We came as soon as we got that message of yours. I've been waiting for weeks in this place. Time slippage. That's what happens when your spatial geometer is tampered with. Will you have some tea and cake? Shouldn't we just get back in the TARDIS and go? Well, not a lot of point in that, Mike. The old sticks hardly herself, is she? Let's humour her for a while. Hmm? As we sat at a highly polished table and Mrs Wibsy set the tea things out, I realised the doctor was right. There was something odder than usual about his housekeeper. 
beyond simply being put out that we had kept her waiting. Mm. Demon Quest number five. How cool is that? Tom Baker reprising his role as the fourth doctor. Once again, you can choose that or any that Audible has to offer for your free audio book. Simply go to audiblepodcast.com slash art trap. Again, that's audiblepodcast.com slash art trap, A-R-T-T-R-A-P, for your free audiobook. And if you're driving or you just can't write down that URL for some reason, simply go to our website, either arttrap.com or podshock.net, and you can get the link there for the promo offer. Who are you? What are you doing here? You didn't think this was over, did you? I'm the ghost of Christmas present. A ghost? Just like that? Eyes off the skirt. You turn into a Roman. Yeah, yeah, I do that. I also do this. Do what? What are you talking about? Projections like me. Who are they? The people on the ship up there, the ones that you're gonna let die tonight. Why are they singing? For their lives. Which one's Abigail? The doctor told me. Did he now? Well, he doesn't hold back, you know, the doctor. How do I? I never met him before tonight. I seem to have known him all my life. How? Why? You're the only person who can let that ship land. He was trying to turn you into a nicer person. But he was trying to do it nicely. He's changed my past my whole life. Time can be rewritten. You tell the doctor. Tell him from me. People can't. Wow. He's an excellent voice. I can't really ask for anyone better than that. Um, Unbelievable, yeah. Michael Gambon. Michael Gambon. 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 <laughs> <laughs> Have him on the show, and he'll have him on the show. Yeah, he's 70 now, born in 1940. Hmm. All right, well, let's get other people on the queue there. You're echoing again, Dave. I, um, I didn't want to interrupt Perry's call there before, but we're getting some feedback from you. Okay, I'll try and mute. All right, next up in the queue, I believe, is uh, Mr. Darth Skeptical. Hello, Darth. Happy holidays. Hello. How are you, sir? Very good. Indeed. Well, you know, I have to say, I love this episode. Like in a really big fundamental way. In a way I haven't really liked Stephen Moffat's writing throughout most of Series 5. This transported me, which is what I expect out of Doctor Who. I expect it to take me to another world, another time, somehow another place. And I think that this did so in quite a good way. And I haven't been as moved by a, a, a Stephen Moffat script uh, since, you know, Blink, mm-hmm. since the, the scene between Sally Shipton and, uh, well, Sally and uh, the older Billy Shipton, which, you know, still makes me cry when I see it. This had that same sort of effect on me, and I wasn't expecting to like this at all, really, because it has some elements that uh, I don't like in Christmas stories, namely A Christmas Carol itself, which is a story I just don't like. 
But at the end of the day, I don't think that this ended up being much about the Christmas Carol. Instead, I think it was more about the story of Susan in the um, Chronicles of Narnia and how at the you know, end of that series, she has really turned her back on Aslan. And I think that there was very much that same sort of moment in, in this play where, you know, you have Kazrin literally turning his back on the doctor and walking away and saying, don't come back, don't ever come back. And, and finding ultimately the, the redemption um, that, that would flow from that. I just thought it was a lovely story. And I, I don't think it's actually quite as Christmas carol as it could well have been. Um, mm-hmm. I think, you know, on the scale of Christmas stories, it's maybe, you know, it's, you could argue that it's the best. You could, I, I have a great deal of sentimental attachment to uh, Christmas Invasion because, of course, that's not just a Christmas uh, story. It's also the first story of a new doctor, so it's a regeneration story. So that gives it a little bump up in my mind. But this is this is a solid, solid entry. And, and Better than what we've gotten for the last, you know, two or three years. Well, it's not better than last year, I guess, because that was, you know, fundamentally about regeneration as well. But it's better than Next Doctor. It's better than Victory of or Voyage of the Dam, clearly. So that's really good. I think it's also an important story in terms of the backstage development of the, the series, because it's weird. If you look at it, this is actually a fundamental sea change in the um, the people who are working for Doctor Who. Much bigger than what we got at 11th Hour, although you'd think 11th Hour was, you know, oh, it's, it's a new regime. But really, they kept a lot of people in place, especially below the level of department head. They kept a ton of people. But this one, you know, it's got a brand new producer. It's got a brand new production designer. It's got, um, well, the BBC Wales debut of Barbara Kidd is the costume designer. It's got a brand new editor. So those, I mean, those are big positions, mm-hmm. four big positions, which are totally brand new. And I think that you really see that. Um, you also, you know, there are at least 20 different new names on the um, the, credits. the credits list, mm-hmm. too. So, I mean, even at sub-department level, uh, sub-department head, massive changeover. And you really do see it. I mean, this is phenomenally well-designed production. It does not look like anything else that has come before, I think, in, in Doctor Who. Yeah, no, I think the production-wise, um, it was outstanding. A lot of it, And if you see the confidential, there's a lot more that goes that went into the production that it wasn't even apparent on screen, but it's just the details were there, and, and it's just, um, you know, somehow at Renaissance, you know, re- re- it just comes out somehow, you know, just even if it's not even seen. Right. I mean, just, it it really is something that is texturally very different than what's gone before. And, and, you know, a a lot of that, beyond being accredited to Pickwood, who's the incoming production designer and kid who, I mean, the costumes in this thing, phenomenal. Um, But... You know, a lot of it really is down to Stefan Pearson, who basically is new. I mean, the only thing he's done for us before was uh, Big Bang and Pandora Opens. But there really is something magical, I think, about this Toby Haynes, Stephen, Stefan Pearson, uh, Pickwode kid thing that's going on. I mean, it really is producing some of the most striking images. And I hope that we're going to see more of them. I hope that 
you know, although this last series we saw the directors of photography changing almost every story, I hope that doesn't happen now mm-hmm. for the next series. I really hope it's just just go with Stephen Stephen Pearson because he's just outrageously good at lighting Doctor Who. Yeah, the lighting um, here was outstanding. Yeah, just ridiculously good. Um, and you know, I I I I was complete. I, I'm very surprised that you you're not quite happy with this being an off Earth story because it's it's 100 percent off Earth, really, except for tiny. No, no, I, I don't have a problem with it. I, mean, I was just I was just mm. commenting that the all the uh, past uh, the Christmas Eve adventures took place on Earth, you know, where this was not on Earth. You would think that there might have been one thrown in there where it's just like a planet that we haven't seen before or something. I suppose. I I suppose. I guess I was... Not a deal breaker. It's just just an observation I made. I I guess I just thought of that as being the reverse. You know, since these people are not from Earth, for them, going to Earth would be a treat. Um, but when you have a, a TARDIS where you can go anywhere, anytime, anywhere in the world, yeah, you sure. I think that at least one year they'll do an off, you know, <laughs> go somewhere else I outside suppose. of Earth. I suppose. Um, but I mean, for me, what the whole thing was, I mean, you know, from the establishing shot at the pre-title sequence, it really did feel like the entire time I was somewhere new and different. But what they did very well was that even though it was off-world, it was on another planet another time, they still captured that uh, Dickens feel of, you know, of the the industrial age there with the the nitty-gritty and it's just that that flavor was there even though it was unearthly. That's true. Yeah, I mean, they, you know, it's the most steampunk episode we've ever had and that's you know, inherent in every design. Yeah, even the down. camera that when he Carazon pulls right. out that camera, it's first of all, it's not square or rectangle; it's round, and that lens right. that comes out, it's just, it's, it's just magnificent. Uh, that's what I'm saying. I mean, Pickwood. You know, this is a guy who's been around. He was doing stuff back when John Pertwee was still the Doctor. So he's, you know, he's going to give us, I think, a lot of really good stuff going forward. Um, so yeah, I love love the design element of it, um, but the, the story thing. I mean, I one of the reasons that I like listening to Big Finish audio is because you can do things in, in audio that you can't really do uh, in television. And one of my favorite stories is this story called Orbis, which is a Paul McGann thing, and it posits a world which is basically inhabited by shellfish and jellyfish, mm-hmm. and you know it's very aquatic. And I love that story because of the imagery that's involved, and that's one of the things that made me go for this story. And the whole thing of, wow, I'm actually getting a depiction of flying fish um, was just wondrous, and I, and I loved everything about that. Um, but I, another thing that I think was great for me about this particular story was the uh, just, you know, it's taken me a long time to sort of fully warm up to Matt Smith um, and, and not think at certain points, oh, he's misreading that line or not quite hitting it on the nail. And I just, I was so totally with him the entire time. 
And I thought he was marvelously bonkers in a way mm-hmm. that I thought before he hadn't, he'd been trying to get to, but and sometimes it just fell flat. I think this entire time, he, I, I was just in awe of him in this one. And I think it's because, you know, Moffat's now writing more for him instead of just writing for a generic doctor, as he might have been doing at the very beginning of Series 5. Yeah, because he had so, written this after the, he had completed the first series of Matt Smith. Right, and so therefore had a much more, uh, better understanding of what his actor could do. And even Amy, I thought, in this thing was, even though she's only here for eight minutes or whatever, I thought she was way better than uh, she she was during most of Series 5. I mean, she was consistently interesting to look at. Her her comedy was working for me in a way that it sometimes didn't in Series 5. So I just, I loved the whole flow through there. Now, as to some of the things that you've talked about, you know, this this notion that the doctor should have gone and, <clears throat> I don't know, saved these people who were cryogenically frozen, or at least saved our, our principal heroine. I think that the script covers why, and I think that the production design also covers why. Because if you look, every single one of those chambers has a countdown device on it. So what's the doctor supposed to do? Save all of them? I mean, is he really supposed to go around and figure out... You know, what is your particular medical problem? How can yeah, the doctor I now fix your medical problem? The doctor doesn't know what those numbers mean. Well, exactly. But then I think we find at the very end of the episode that he says, look, you know, sometimes people die. No, no, I, that, I, I mean, that is understandable. It just it doesn't seem to be in his character to, to throw her back in the freezer without at least first finding out what's going on with her. And, and it just it just seemed a little like, OK, well, it's time for you to go back in your freezer. It just I, I don't just I don't know if I doctor like I think it I think it does in the light of an episode like say school reunion where clearly the theme is look you could go back and save people you could go do things but sometimes you know people do need to die it is a part of the way but that he didn't know he, she was unfold. dying at that point at that scene at that time he didn't know he, she was dying and, and neither did Kazan at at that time either. Because she That's had to, she had sure to break the news to him later on when in 1952 when you know that scene you know in Hollywood that's when she broke the news to him. Yeah, that's true. But I mean, the the question is, does he ever actually see the the number tick over? Well, you would think the doctor being very observant, he would, but he doesn't. Yeah, in text, uh, she told him to keep her in there. So. The one up? The seventh doctor in text, who's not an audio, um, said she told him to keep her in there. Presumably, she was. T- she told him to return him to the ice coffin. Oh, oh. That, that that's true too. But I mean, I think I don't know. As far as the number thing, I don't think there's ever a point in the the whole play where it's you know clear to the doctor that those numbers are kicking over, and so therefore they have a meaning outside of just being the number of the box. So I don't think that there's, you know, there's not a cause for him to be suspicious about the numbers. I don't think. Well, he got I, curious I mean, about him. He asked her about what those numbers mean, and she said they pertains to, you know, the person inside, and then he got distracted. Um, Amy called or something like that, and, um, you know, he's, that's, that yeah. was the end of that. That was the end of that. Yeah, and my first thoughts about that number was when I first saw I thought, five days left the family have to pay her debts. And if they haven't paid her debts by the zero, they switch the machine off. 
so that was like uh, the, the, when the the debt was finally due, you know, payable. But that was just me watching the show. Yeah, I, I, I get that. That was a possibility. I mean, I didn't know what it was either, but that was a possibility as well. It just, it, it to me, it didn't seem like it was just that big a deal. I mean, I think I think it's very. I think it's covered in the script why he didn't fix. Uh, all those people, why he didn't release well, all the people? It, it just why goes against the theme that was prevalent here, you know, which is, you know, is that everyone is important, you know, because, um, you know, when we first see her there, Kazan, the older Kazan says that, you know, it's nobody important or and then he, you know, he revisits that with young Kazan. Is, is it somebody important? You know, and evidently. Yeah. It just seems to go, you know, against that whole theme of that everyone is important yet not important enough to take this, you know, keep them out of the freezer. I suppose, but I mean, somehow the doctor has to draw a line in the sand somewhere. He has to say, you know, there there is a point at which whatever adventure I'm on right now, whatever good I could do in this world has to be limited in scope in some way or else he would never leave any particular planet because there's always people to save. Yeah, well, I'm not there's saying he should more he, he had do. to save everyone there, but he was this one was already out of the freezer. So it just seemed a little bit out of character for him to stick her back in the freezer without knowing, you know, why she, you know, that you know, she she only had a few days left, you know, and it just uh, ju just knowing Stephen Moffat's, you know, meticulous approach I bet if uh, I'm sure people have watched it a few times already, but on rewatching, there'll probably be um, a, a clue in the narration there somewhere or in the dialogue. Uh, I wouldn't oh. hope for that. Stephen Moffat's meticulous nature is well overrated. Um, but I, I mean, I don't know. It, it was one, It's interesting to hear this this whole discussion because I, I just. It never even occurred to me that there was anything even slightly wrong. I mean, I, I was actually quite happy that for me, almost every point made sense, which is not something that I've associated with Series 5. Um, so I, I was glad to have it, it, you know, just unfold in front of me and for me to be transported by it and that sort of be the end of yeah, it. Yeah, I think that was the intent uh, of it. You know, I, I, again, I was just nitpicking yeah. and just... It didn't destroy the episode for me. It just it just seemed a yeah. little. It, it was just a little a bump in the road there. That's all. <laughs> well, I tell you another thing I really liked about this was the slight change in the doctor's costume and makeup, which is to say, I hate that red shirt, that red striped shirt from la the mm -hmm. red and gray thing from last year. This new approach of this white and cream, lightly cream striped thing, I think that does wonders. I think it just looks sharper, it looks snappier, it looks like oh, this guy is actually the hero of the thing, and I think that the attention that um, you know, Barbara Southcutt is now taking with his hair, so that his hair actually looks manicured I like that more. I know that there's some people who are really against that, but you can see that in the trailer and you can see that in this episode. And I think you can see it, you know, going back to death of the doctor, you, you can see, okay, they are really trying to keep his hair clean and straight and neat. And I think it, I think he just looks better. I think he looks much more like a hero and much more in control. And I, I love this look, and I think it's going to be fine going forward. Uh, can I be cynical on that? Is that not so sure. that when they bring out his games, he looks a bit more like his avatar? <laughs> uh, that's notoriously difficult to do in games. 
Oh, right, right. <laughs> yeah, that's probably true. There's that one scene uh, where they're in the cupboard where you see um, the projection of him mm-hmm. on the wall. It's, you know, the the camera recorded image of him and young Kazan in, in the cupboard and he gets up and um, he goes to the door and, and it looks like he's at one point it's it's just an optical illusion there but it looks like he was wearing leather pants I'm like the doctor's wearing leather pants and he, then he, oh, yeah. he comes out of the cupboard he's not wearing leather pants but it's just the way the light was I, hitting I, it and it just it's, it's well I'm just glad they changed it you know I just hate when the doctor is in a uniform and every you know episode every adventure there he's wearing the same exact sure. clothes so anytime they change it even though it's subtle i enjoy it yeah and it's realistic because i mean for me one of the problems i had with the big bang was that if you've reset the universe and you didn't i think that it means that the 11th hour didn't happen which means that he couldn't have gone into the hospital to get the clothes but i th- I think what this says is he's now gone into the TARDIS or somewhere else and gotten something else that looks like what he got on Earth before. Mm-hmm. And it's not the same thing. So to me, so I mean, unless they change it in next season at some point, there's he's back in the same old stuff again. Um, I think it makes it just look like, okay, he's now gone from something he borrowed to something that he's gone out and shopped for and, you know, really taken on board. So. Oh, can I jump in here too? That mm. you're talking about his clothes. What about props? His uh, mm. his psychic paper didn't seem to work. He said it shorted. So do we think we're going to lose that in the next series? And of course, uh, his sonic screwdriver was uh, broken in half. Are we going to have a new sonic new screwdriver as well? Well, I think the psychic paper thing was just a gag, which is a lovely gag, you know, because he says, "Wow, that's one lie too far." Which, you know, I don't think it's permanently shorted out. The sonic screwdriver, that's, you know, anybody's guess. It might get replaced. Who knows? They can sell a new toy if it gets a redesign. <laughs> yeah. So a new toy, they'll have the broken one for sale as well. Well, yeah, that too. Yeah. And, any and uh, comments about the trailer, Darth? Oh, the trailer. Uh, yeah, everything about it I loved. I'm a little curious, though, about the Oval Office scene. I mean, it's it's got to be the Oval yes, Office, yes. doesn't it? Um, because that's not the Resolute desk. That is, in other words, that's not the desk that has been used for quite some time. Well, this is supposed um, to take place in the past, though. Isn't this like um, yeah, the 1950s? Nineteen sixties, apparently. Yeah. But the, the Resolute desk gets refurbished by Jackie Onassis, and then... Johnson says, well, I'm going to get rid of that desk, you know, because of the association with Kennedy. And it stays away, but it's not the desk that Johnson or Nixon used either. So I don't know what that means. Maybe they just didn't do their their uh, homework well enough. But it was, it was very clearly, obviously, not a desk that was used by any president. So that's a little weird for me. But I still love the line. Oh, oh my God, the line is just beautiful. It's probably the master's TARDIS, not desk. Who knows? But yeah, I mean, I mean, all this stuff in Utah just looks fabulous, doesn't it? I mean, just gorgeous filmmaking there. Um, I, you know, this is for me probably the most exciting sort of trailer since the non-trailer, I guess, of the Ninth Doctor, the very first trailer that we got, where he's you know running down the uh, the hallway and the explosions following him. Um, and and to my understanding, this, one, this is only really mostly covering the first uh, couple episodes of the new series. So, uh, you know, right? It's, it's it's and maybe that's why it's a better a better thing because 
you know, there was a similar sort of, you know, short trailer. Actually, you know, most of the RTD trailers are short. Most of them are only about the uh, first uh, five yeah. episodes, maybe. Yeah, if you know that much. Um, yeah, but but still, I think I think this is most analogous to that that mid season trailer from series three, where um, you know it's just they only had like three stories, I think, in that. And they only had a uh, human nature and the utopia thing and the um, forty two. And so because you're talking about, you know, three limited stories, you can put together a more compelling sort of narrative. And I think that's why this one works. It's not about the whole thing. And it's the other just factor about, is that next year it's hmm. broken up into two uh, series anyway. So you, right. it's going to be um, six and seven, you know, parts, you know, whatever, segments. Exactly. But, I mean, I think it makes it easier to advertise yeah. because you're mm-hmm. you're not... You're just you're, you're just you're more focused on, on a just, limited amount of stories than being all over the place. And, and the thing that I absolutely adored is that there is not one image of anything, of any alien, any a, any enemy, that we've ever seen before, except for this ood. Mm-hmm. And the ood was a surprise, and the ood doesn't even look like an ood. I mean, what what you're left wondering? What the hell is the green eye about? That's never happened before. So it could turn out that it's, it's not an ood. It could be just something. Trying to simulate a nude, or or you know, you, until we see it, we don't know. Sure, because sure, maybe it could. But the beauty of the of the trailer to me is that there's nothing familiar about it. Everything is gorgeously new, and uh, I love that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So. All right. Well, I suppose we should move on to other people. Well, thank you again, Josh. Uh, if you're wondering. And- Sure. Happy holidays, and glad you're and to you joined us again. I'm sorry for technical snafus. I think he wants to give it a rating. He oh, okay, it. yes, please. Oh, uh, we haven't been doing oh, that. Oh, well. So. <laughs> I mean, it's a five, so there you go. <laughs> All right. Okay, cheers, Dave. I mean, Dad, Darth. That's <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right, uh, next in the queue is Kyle. Hello, Kyle. Hello, you're on. You there? Kyle? Hello? Yeah, we can't hear you. Yeah, we... All right, we're going to go on to uh, to Tim, and then we're going to come back to you, Kyle, and, and hopefully we'll get your audio. For some reason, we're not hearing you. This show's been plagued with um, technical snafus. And hopefully Tim's still awake. Good morning, Tim. Good morning, Tim. Oh. <laughs> He's snoring away. Happy New Year, Tim! <laughs> maybe he's not maybe he's not kidding maybe he really is asleep it's <laughs> after his bedtime you know Tim are you really sleeping Tim are you really sleeping yeah I'm, 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 still, I'm still in the still in the land of wake just about wakey wakey it's Christmas. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm here. <laughs> wakey, wakey, it's Christmas, yeah. Well, Down the Red Bull. Well, um, I, haven't, I haven't drunk anything for hours. I'm a bit dry here. Yeah, same here. Well, on, on the whole, quite a good episode. Although, um, I appear to be um, against the consensus of people I've read on the internet who seem to think it's the best Christmas special yet. Uh, several plus points in its favour though it was wonderfully well 
um, designed. The, the look of the whole thing was beautiful, mm-hmm. wonderfully well lit, and the whole design throughout was brilliant. The 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 casting and acting throughout also was brilliant, and um, um, Michael Gambon has to be given special mention. And Catherine Jenkins, for someone who never acted before, you would never know it from this episode. Got a, they'd, no, no, you got a damn good acting performance out of her. I think they have this. Um, they seem to have an artist on Doctor who are picking directors, who are able to take people who maybe have talents in that direction but have never used them and, and are able to exploit them. And they did it with the eleventh hour, and they were able to do it here. As for the story itself, and uh, Dave said this when we were recording Coldham Collective earlier, it didn't quite grab him. And I know I had that problem too. I mean, it was a good watch. It was very inventively written. But it, it just, for some reason, didn't grab me. And, it, and I watched it again this evening. And it was a better watch second time round. But I think it's that thing of your, your expectations are lowered once mm-hmm. you actually know what you're going to watch. But um, no, on the, on, on the whole, a, a good watch. But I'm... I think I think on the I I found it a bit um, I think the word I'd use is grim for Christmas I I I I after you build up this well of expectation for a Doctor Who episode when you haven't had one since the summer and I kind of like wanted something a bit more upbeat to leave us a bit happier before. Um, well, it, it did have its lighthearted moments. Uh, I mean, there was... The, the, hmm. uh, oh, there were some nice gags in it, yeah, but the overall feeling was that one of the central characters was maybe not on screen, but was going to die at the end. Yeah. And yeah. Worse, yeah. Still, the doctor caused it. Well, I don't think the doctor caused it. I think she was, she was going to die before the doctor got there. It's just that he mm. just used... I mean... He, he you can say he used up those her, her remaining days, but those he they they lived mm. life to the fullest those remaining days. <coughs> Excuse me. Yeah, I think uh, Tim's reminded me of something that was why I wasn't totally uh, at ease with it, and Darth's going to hate me for this, but um, part of it reminded me a bit about Voyage of the Dam because basically, you know, you got a ship crashing like Voyage of the Dam, and you had the 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 baddie of the piece saying he doesn't care. Well, that's exactly what the chap said on the Voyage of the Damned. The fact that he was crushing this uh, thing and all these people were going to die, he didn't care. He was getting his own back on the corporation. Mm-hmm. And the fact that all these people were going to die in the crash didn't bother him. So uh, that was a bit annoying uh, to sort of have that little uh, reminder jogged in your back of your mind. But I, I thought that absolutely was excellent. The acting was excellent. The singing, the lighting... Uh, I couldn't fold in a way, other than the fact that I'd rather not have Christmas specials. I'd rather have two more episodes of Doctor Who, but that's my broken record again. Mm-hmm. Well, about the only other thing to add is that, um, and someone, I can't remember who, but somebody mentioned this in chat over on the Colton Collective, is that uh, plot-wise it's also similar to a tortured episode called um, To the Last Man in which um, uh, I'm trying to remember the oriental character's name in um, Torchwood. You mean the Asian? um, 
Asian character. Uh, yeah. you, um, um, Toshi, Tashi, something like that. The short name for her, and um, they have an episode of Torture in which there's this um, soldier from the 1940s, and they've sort of held him in storage mm -hmm. and you now remember it they they know they do, they they have to wake him up one day and they wake him up one day a year just to make sure he's all right and he always spends that day with tosh yeah and so you get now i, I, I remember it now that two people falling in love who only see each other once a year mm -hmm. and, and on, that, on that level it was a, a direct lift it's this exact same well, thing i, I, had, I didn't think episode. of it until you just you know brought it up but yeah okay i can see that now But um, are, are we gathering um, TARDIS groans? Sure, room? yeah. I I think Dave and I failed to give our groans, but uh, Doth gave his, and Doth gave his, and, and I didn't ask Perry for his. And I didn't ask Perry for his, but I'm about three out of five at my end. Mm -hmm. I, I think it's a three point five from me. All right, very good. I, I probably would give it maybe four out of five or four and a half. I mean, for a Christmas special, it's. it's yeah. Oh, if you're going to rate it against some of the Christmas specials, I'm probably four and a half out of five. Well, it, it, the, the best thing to compare it to is other Christmas specials. Yeah, indeed. But, 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 equally, but equally, it's hard to make that comparison because so much has changed with the show since we last had a Christmas special. So it, it, it may be one of these things that gets reassessed in two or three years' time when Stephen Moffat's... Um, made a few more Christmas specials. Yeah, I mean, we can have yeah, some Doctor Who specials on Christmas Day that don't relate to Christmas either. I mean, obviously you can't do that with a, a story called A Christmas Carol, but uh, this is going to be obviously a, a Christmas-oriented one, but it doesn't necessarily mean that every Christmas special has, has to be about Christmas. Yeah, let's hope he's got it out of his system we've gone 40 some more years of Doctor one, Who one, with just an occasional yeah. mention of Christmas maybe once or twice and now it's every year well, well one one thing that, that, that was refreshingly different about it is that the, the, the Russell T Davis ones were all set on Earth and always Earth was under some kind of threat Yes, and it was good to see yeah. a, a, a Doctor Who story for Christmas That's, not it, on Earth, it had a Met plenty of Earth references in it, but it wasn't actually set on and Earth. There was no big giant star coming down from the sky, you know, uh, you know, threatening Earth. Yes, no, I, it's that's a welcome change. All right, Tim, we're going to try to get Kale, Kyle back on, and I'm going to try to be able to speak once again after mm. I get the show <laughs> done. Well, it's, it, it, it's gone midnight, so I think I'm going to drop off and um, actually try to drop off. Well, if you see what get I mean. some sleep then, and um, thank you for joining us on the show. Yes, cheers. Yeah, cheers, Tim. But by the time you, by the time you next do one of these, I'll probably have met you in the flesh because Gal is coming up in February. Unless timely wibbly wobbly takes place, and maybe um, <laughs> I'm just being silly. Okay, sure. All right, Tim. I'm gonna say goodbye. Cheers. Yep, bye, Lou. Bye. And let's try to do this once again with Kyle. Yes, good afternoon. Ah, we How hear you. Yay. Brilliant. 
Yes, I apologize for it seems like I was having the technical difficulty similar to what everyone it's else It's been going had. around today. No uh, need to apologize. It's just um Absolutely. Well, uh, you know, as everyone said, it was a great episode, uh, perfect Christmas episode. I would have loved to have seen River, but I understand that, you know, we don't want to oversaturate ourselves with too much Well, River. you got to see her in the trailer, uh, at least. Yes, absolutely. The trailer was actually the best part of it for me, seeing what was coming next year, seeing what was, you know, coming in 2011. I did like The Christmas Carol. It was a classic tale. It had, you know, the, the Doctor Who feeling of it. I really liked Matt Smith before. Um, before this, I was still really into David Tennant, and I really hadn't really grasped Matt Smith yet until uh, I saw him on um, the episode with uh, Sarah Jane where uh, Joe came back, and then it just kind of clinched for me. Well, this took it one step further and really clinched Matt Smith as the doctor for me. So it was to me, it was a great episode. I liked the little bit of Amy and Rory that they put in. I liked how they had them in the um, outfit. Yeah. Yeah, in the, yeah, in the costumes. That was really good because if any pictures got leaked, of course, then that would lead to speculation as to why they're dressed like that. So um, I just thought it was an all-around good episode. Uh, really, really enjoyed it. I'm looking forward to watching it again. And um, that's pretty much it. I, there, there's nothing really on there that I didn't like. The only thing that I, if I had to name something that I didn't like, that would have to be I didn't like that the older version of the, um, I'm not going to say is Kazran. Yeah, I was, I've been having uh, a lot of problems with I his name as well for some reason. Kazran, yeah. Yes, I didn't like the fact that he actually touched his younger uh, I, I was thinking that too, the, that uh, they, they were embracing and there was like nothing going, you know. There was like nothing going, you know. Time help. <laughs> well, I was, I was expecting whenever they did that, the same as when Amy put her hand on Amelia's head in the Big Bang, I was expecting spark or something. Um, the, the thing from yeah. uh, uh, Father's Day with the Ninth Doctor when, mm, uh, right. you know, yeah. Rose accidentally touched herself as a baby. So a little wibbly-wobbly, timey-wimey going on there. But other than that, great episode. I'd probably give it about four out of five. All right. And uh, Perry also in chat gave it a four. So um, it's been the general consensus, I think. Obviously, Darth gave it five. All right. Yeah. Well, you know, it, it it was it was a good you know it was it had a good Christmas feeling to it, and it was a good episode. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I think we all kind of agree with that. All right, Kyle. Well, um, I'm glad we worked out the audio problems and got you on board. Absolutely. Thank, Thank you very you. much for having me, and I wish everyone a good holiday and a good 2011. Yeah, Happy New Year. Same to you all. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. And we have, we're, this is going to be unusual for our live show, but we actually have, uh, right before the show, a piece of feedback that came in, and it's very, very quick. Otherwise, I wouldn't even include it on the live show, but since it is very quick... Hi, guys. Peter from New York. My last email was really long, so I wanted to make this one really short. Uh, Doctor Who Christmas Carol. Good news is I really, really loved it. Bad news is it broke a lot of uh, established canon laws of time, which could easily be explained away. Okay, goodbye. <laughs> How's that for short? <laughs> That's very short. Oh, I like to come. I like to come back at the end. <laughs> <laughs> well, I uh, I thought it was very fitting after you know speaking with Kyle there about um, the the two um, 
Kaisarns touching each other and all that. Doesn't that go back to even further a fifth Doctor story with uh, the Brigadier, the older Brigadier and the younger Brigadier? When they're wandering around, aren't they? They're not supposed to touch yeah, one another. Yeah. Is it when they're in the TARDIS? I haven't seen that story in a very, very long time. I really need to see that again. Yeah, there's two versions of the, the Brig in the TARDIS, mm-hmm. isn't there? Oh, we'll get corrected on that. You'll get feedback on that, no doubt about it. All right, well, I want to thank you, Dave, for um, putting up with all this uh, technical snafus and nonsense going on with this, this uh, show, and I'm glad um, we got through it all. And uh, everyone that participated, I want to thank everyone. It's been a, it was a good show, despite our problems. You know, thank you, everyone, for putting up with all those problems, but it's, um, we got through it. <laughs> Indeed, just about. So I'm um, looking forward to uh, next series, the next uh, season. Um, tw- well, it's going to be split in two. We've got a trailer, uh, which is very interesting. We already spoke about it, so no sense going into it again. But it's um, something to look forward to. I, I think it's, um, I'm looking for, obviously, I'm looking forward to it. We, we don't have a start date, yeah, but we, we can expect date, but... it to be uh, probably, um, traditionally, it's either end of March or some more I think more recently April so yeah I've got the date and uh, there's lots of things happening in the new year we've got Primeval coming back we've got uh, Torchwood coming back so we're on a roll yes we are and we'll keep you posted about it all on Doctor Who Podshock and on our website podshock.net alright well and um, so that's going to wrap things up for this episode and uh, what I'll do is I'll play a remaining clip I think I have here. I didn't use all of them because um, I only have so many slots with um, Gizmo here, and and uh, my uh, the, the original setup I was had I was going to be able to do them all, but Sylvie. Where's the doctor? I've been running faster than I've ever run. Now it's time for me to stop. I'm going to need a SWAT team ready to mobilize street level maps covering all of Florida, a pot of coffee, 12 jammy dodgers, and a fez. Somewhere different, somewhere brand new. I wear a Stetson now. Stetsons are cool. We've been recruited. Recruited by who? You're going to have to trust us this time. You have to do this, and you can't ask why. in your hands, Amelia Bond. You see these eyes, they're old eyes. And one thing I can tell you, monsters are real. Uh, that was obviously the trailer there. Uh, I should have introduced it as such. Uh, anyway, cheers, everyone. Cheers, Happy everyone. New Year. Happy, Happy holidays. New Year. Happy, Happy holidays. Boxing Day. Happy Boxing Day. Bye, all. <laughs> You've been listening to Doctor Who Podshock, presented by the fan-run Gallifreyandembassy.org. Doctor Who is owned and trademarked by the BBC. Doctor Who Podshock is not affiliated with the BBC in any way. Come back next time for another exciting and informative episode of Doctor Who Podshock. You can email us at feedback at podshock.net. Doctor Who Podshock theme music by Jeff Smith at thejeffsmith.com. This has been a production of Art Trap Productions and is presented to you by the Gallifreyan Embassy and has been made possible in part by supporting subscribers and donations from listeners like you. 
This episode also supported by the Doctor Who Podchuck podcast companion app for the iPhone, iPad, and iPod Touch. It's not really the singing, of course. Yes, it is. Nah. Fish love the singing, it's true. Nah, the notes resonate in the ice crystals, causing a delta wave pattern in fog. Ow, fish bit me. Shut up, then. That's how the machine controls the cloud belt. The clouds are ice crystals. If you could vibrate the crystals at exactly the right frequency, you could align them into... Ow! Why do they keep biting? Look, fish like the singing, okay? Now shut up! 